Hi guys, welcome to Don't Quit Your Daydream. I'm Shar. And I'm Shana. And we invite you to join us, two friends, as we discuss the highs and lows of writing. Come and take a seat and make your writing dreams come true. Hey daydreamers, welcome back to Don't Quit Your Daydream. Today we have a really important episode that I know Charlene's very excited (laughs) about, which is all about the three act eight sequence structure. This is just a term that we use in the industry, which is to do with kind of, it comes from screenplay writing, isn't it? And like films and things, but lots of authors use them to basically structure their novels. Um, Charlene is the expert in this. I don't (laughs) use it. I know of it and I think I use elements of it without knowing I'm using it, but I don't. I don't stick to it myself, yeah. whereas Charlene knows it a lot better and she has outlined using it in the yeah. past. Yeah. So I'm going to go over to her and let her dive right in. There are <laughs> other structures, by the way. This is not like the yeah. structure you have to use if you're mm-hmm. going to be a writer. Like I say, I don't use it. Mm-hmm. It is a good way to just have an idea of certain beats, Absolutely. isn't it? Because I don't more think than anything. I, I've tried to use it to outline before yeah. and you know I'm not a very good yes, outline. Exactly, like, yeah. I'm more of a pants now. Yeah. So I like to have it in my head. So yes. if I get to like a point in a story where mm-hmm. I'm a bit stuck, I I think what naturally what yeah, beat should naturally good. be happening yeah. here just to get me back on track and I've heard quite a few writers say yeah. that they use it in that way um but I think yeah it, it's it, I think the reason why this particular one is quite popular like Shana said there are loads and yeah. please don't think that oh my gosh you have to use this one no, if it don't. doesn't work no 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 so some people don't even need structure to write they just write and they yeah. naturally know how to do it mm-hmm. but it's a good one because it's a popular one and that's yes. simply because a hell of a lot of Hollywood movies mm-hmm. use it which means that because we watch a lot of movies yes. as people our brains now are kind of wired to expect those beats exactly, in a story yeah, yeah. and it doesn't mean that your story is going to be exactly the same as someone else because this can work for like a romance oh, no, story a horror story mm. a fantasy story a dystopian a crime mm. it can work for any it's just more of a guideline yeah. to keep you on track to help you to know what happens yeah. next to stop you from getting stuck so please take what i'm saying lightly in terms of like you know if it works for you it works for you give it yeah. a try it's yeah. fun but if it's not the one there are so many other ones there's ones in like save the cat yeah. there's other ones you'll find it on the internet mm-hmm. so please do try other things um but this is one that I think is really cool. Yeah. I think it works really well. And the reason I think I like it is because I am a pantser and it's so simplistic. Right. And that's it. So let's delve into it and talk about it. Let's yeah. talk about how it works and why it works and how we break it down. So obviously in a story, we have the three acts. We have act one, we have act two, and we have act three, which really just resemble, if you want to keep it on a really basic level, the beginning, middle, and end of your story. Yeah. And what you'll get is, and this again is a rough guideline. Please don't think you have to stick to this really stringently. But act one usually is about 25% of the story. Mm-hmm. Act two is your longest bit, so it's usually about 50% of the story. And act three is usually about 50%, not 50, <laughs> 25% of the story. Sorry, guys. Yeah. So again, that is a guideline because there's so many times where I've written and that's not the percentages. Yeah, yeah. So play around and do what works for your story. But just to help you to understand mm. and to be able to see this visually, that is kind of how the story breaks down. Mm. And I think that this works well because it gives you sequences that fit within each of the acts to help you to understand what you can do in those acts and what yeah. point of the story you should be at. Um, and I think it works specifically well for act two because it is the longest in the place yeah. where most people get stuck. Like the middle Definitely, of the story yeah. is, is the hardest, isn't it? Yeah. So like, geez, Louise. So let's start with act one. Act one has two sequences. It has sequence one and it has sequence two. So we're going to start with sequence one and we'll have a little chat about it, talk about it and what's in it and go from there. So sequence one is literally called the status quo and inciting incident. Mm -hmm. And it's as simple as the status quo is you just setting up 
the main character's normal day-to-day life. Yeah. Obviously in an interesting way. (laughs) Um, You just want to show what is normal in their life because obviously in order to have a story, we have to disrupt the normal. Yeah. So if we don't see the normal, we don't know what we're disrupting. Mm. So it just doesn't make sense. The disruption won't mean anything to us. Absolutely. So Harry Potter, let's say, for example... You know, we see that Harry lives with the Dursleys. They're really horrible. They're, yeah. they're very abusive, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have a good relationship with his cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he, he lives in a perfectly fine house, but not the environment yeah. in the house. Yeah. yeah. So that is Harry's normal life. We get to see what his day-to-day is like, who he lives with and mm-hmm. how he's treated. That is Harry's status quo. Yeah. Now, the inciting incident is the moment where something is introduced that changes that character's life. Mm-hmm. So for Harry... It is the letter to Hogwarts. It's mm-hmm. it's it's the the letter to Hogwarts tells him he is a wizard, yeah. and that is the first time he hears it. Obviously, we see all the lengths they go to to get the letter to him, yeah. and then Hagrid has to come and like hunt them down. But it's that moment that he realizes I'm a wizard. I'm go. I'm getting invited to wizard school mm-hmm. because from that moment we've disrupted Harry's life, yeah. and everything has changed. So the inciting incident new story is that kind of big thing that changes the whole story and gets the journey going. Actually, uh, just to point out, like, it doesn't have to necessarily be a big thing. Like, no, sorry, on, not a big thing. Depending on the thing, genre yeah. and the story, yeah, Not course. a big thing. It could be something a, small, but yeah, yeah. it could be something really just small. Just something that's like an invitation slash yeah, disruption yeah, yeah. In, the, in their norm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's all it's doing is it's kickstarting whatever the main yeah. thing is of your story, isn't mm-hmm. it? So when you read, like, the blurb of someone's book, the back of someone's book, whatever the story's about, it's usually the inciting incident that triggers yes, that. Yeah. And that's it. And Shana's yeah. right. It doesn't have to be big. It just has to change something. Yeah. And that's it. So that's as simple as act one is. Uh, sorry, not act one. Sequence one is. Yeah. That's as simple as um, sequence one is. It doesn't need to be very long. Mm-hmm. It can be as long as you need it to be. It can be scenes. It can be chapters. Like me personally, mm-hmm. I prefer to get my inciting incident started really quite quickly. Yeah. That doesn't always happen with each story because it's not naturally the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I do like to introduce it quickly and get the story going yeah. as quickly as possible you may have a reason to kind of keep that status quo period mm. going because there may be really important things that you need to show so please look at your story and look at why you need to show what you need to show and, and how much of it you actually need to show um, yeah. so again there's no hard fast rule it's just what works for your book and the same with the inciting incident like Shana yeah. said can be something small or it can be something big it doesn't matter it's what makes sense for your story yeah and go and listen to our other episode about um, structuring your story which was a beginning middle and end I mm-hmm. think it, we entitled yeah. it that one we went into a little bit more depth about what your beginning could include and then those things will be things that you'd put into act one yeah absolutely spot on so sequence two which is the last sequence in act one is called the predicament and the lock-in and it is really simple it is as it sounds the predicament is essentially the predicament that you've been (laughs) the character's been left in because of the inciting Mm -hmm. incident so because of the inciting incident then there's now a predicament and a lot of times in stories it's a choice it's a choice that has to be made (laughs) we love a good choice for characters it's a choice that has to be made or sometimes the character's not in a position to make that choice so the choice is presented and kind of pushed on them and the lock-in because they pretty much go together so seamlessly the lock-in is the moment where 
either the character makes that decision or the decision's made for them and they now mm-hmm. are on the journey. It's the, it's the moment. No going back. Kind of absolutely. That was just about to say. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm glad you've come in. The reason why it's called the lock-in is because they're locked in. There's no going back once that yeah. decision's made. So Harry, once he decided to go to Hogwarts, that's yeah. it. He's gone. He's on the train. You can't go back to being you a normal go, boy Yeah, that. you can't no. go back to being a normal boy. You can't go back to, even when he goes back, because we do get to see Harry mm. go back to the Dursleys, life will never be the same because no. you now know something that you didn't know. Yeah. You know? So it changes everything. You know, let's say Twilight, the moment that she finds out that Edward is a vampire, it changes your whole world yeah. because you think that you're just in a normal human world and then bam, everything changes. Yeah. So it's that moment where you now are firmly in that journey. Yeah. So that really is act one. It's really quite simple when it you is, think about yeah. it. And this is why I do like this you know three act eight yeah. sequence because it's so simple it's not telling you what to write mm-hmm. it's telling you where you should be in the story and that yeah. can look so different in every single story like I say can, for yeah. a romance it's different mm-hmm. for a fantasy it's different it's so varied but at the same time it just helps to keep you on track so you can think do you know what what should be happening right yeah. now and you might say you know actually you know what something should have happened by now to disrupt my character's world. Why has that not happened? And when you're sometimes looking at your story and you're thinking, where am I supposed to be right now? It's just sometimes Mm. you go back to that and you think, you know what? I probably should already be at the inciting incident. Let me tweak that and just help yourself. So that's it. So that is really the end of act one. So let's move on to act two because it is the longest one. Act two has four sequences because Mm. it's double as long. So sequence three is it's the moment when you're introducing your character to this new world. So obviously they've had the predicament and the lock-in, they're now gone on the journey, and they're now in this new world. Whatever that new world is, a new relationship, um, or a new love interest, a new actual fantasy world, yeah. you know, whatever it is, it's it's that you're entering that new world, and then you come across a first obstacle, mm-hmm. okay? So you come across the first obstacle. So this sequence is actually called First Obstacle and Raising the Stakes. But there are times when I have seen people also add in the new world element. So I like to kind of tie in all three because I think they go really well together okay. by saying your character enters this new world, mm-hmm. they face their first obstacle and that first obstacle raises the stakes in the story. Yeah. So usually they go there, everything's new, they're getting used to the world as it is now because it's not the same as it was in the status quo and then they come across the first challenge of the story which mm-hmm. gives kind of a hint to what the main problem's going to be but it doesn't necessarily need to be big again. Like yeah. you said earlier, it can be a really small thing. So like... Harry, for example, it could be something as simple as, you know, his interaction with Malfoy, for example. Yes, he now realises, yes, oh, okay, there's somebody who doesn't like me and is yeah. not out to get me. Because the moment, and I always love this scene, when he talks about, Malfoy talks about, he's talking about Ron and he's saying about, you know, you need to get the right friends. And he's yeah. like, I think I can figure out the right sort by myself. myself. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like the most iconic line. I absolutely, absolutely love it. It's yeah. the perfect line for a bully, isn't it? Yes, and um, it shows who Harry is. It right. really shows who Harry is and it sets that up. So it's really the first kind of obstacle that the the main character has to deal with Mm -hmm. and that should then raise the stakes of your story so it should make the story more intense for your main character Mm -hmm. so we now realise yeah there's this new world it's really Mm -hmm. cool we see all these brilliant things but actually 
it's not as perfect as yeah. you think and there is going to be something that's going to challenge you and that's ultimately going to now make the story more intense for the mm-hmm. character so that's what that's all about yeah i don't know if you wanted to add anything to that or no i agree i think you've hit the nail on the head with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so sequence four guys you will either hear, hear it referred to as the main accumulation or the midpoint turn and it is essentially kind of the first time where the main character really interacts with the biggest challenge of the story so you have your first obstacle which doesn't necessarily need to be like the main problem of the story so for harry his main problem of the story is is voldemort Mm -hmm. it's going to be all the situations with voldemort but before you get to voldemort you have all the little things that he has to deal with and he has to figure out and he has to deal with the relationships and the friendships and the oh my gosh i'm supposed to be this famous wizard but i don't even know about it and my parents died and and then you get to that point where you have to actually and when I say face, it doesn't mean face. It just means that it's introduced. So it's introduced for the first time. But the midpoint turn is also the point where the character goes from being passive to active. Right. Because for the first half of the story, a lot of things end up happening to your characters. Mm-hmm. Even though they can make choices in that. Please don't think they can't make choices. But a lot of things happen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, Hagrid comes. He gives him the letter. Yeah. His, his uncle tries to hide the letters. Mm-hmm. And then Hagrid's like, you know, let's go here. Let's go to Diagon Alley. Let's get your things. Let's do this. And, he cho- and he's, he's choosing and he's excited. But it's a lot of people telling him. Yeah. It's when he starts going on, like, for example, the mission and stuff with mm. Ron and Hermione he's choosing yes, now to get true. himself actively involved in the things that are actually happening because he could just go yeah I saw that happen but you know what I'm just gonna stay in my dorm room yeah, and study I'm really that, not yeah. gonna get involved in yeah. all this but Harry's like no yeah I'm not gonna go straight into danger and I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna see how it goes so he, he stopped being passive and he goes into that active period which is a really good period and I think that if you do take one thing from it, I think making your character active at a point yeah. is really, really good because it helps to show the growth. Yeah. They're not just... I know you hate when things just happen to a character, so yeah. I know you'll love this. Because <laughs> it is, it's boring. If everything's yeah. just happening and they're not actively choosing anything, even if they choose to do something and it goes wrong, yeah, it's yeah, still an active choice. So mm. it's that point, it's that midpoint. Like I say, they get that first hint of what the actual story challenge is, mm-hmm. but they also go from being passive to actually actively choosing to do something about it or right. to get involved in some way that leads to them being yeah. dragged directly into it. Okay, so that is sequence four. We're now moving on to the second half of act two with sequence five, which is, this is a really interesting one. So this is literally just subplot and rising action Mm. okay so the reason why this usually is put here because people just want to get to that point of like okay we're facing the main thing Mm -hmm. what the hell do we do now and it's just the bit where a lot of writers find themselves in limbo and Mm -hmm. they don't really know what to do how to deal with things so this is always where they're saying it's just a really good point to actually start to work on some of the subplots you should have already been starting to introduce them them anyway but it's a good point to really grow them so if there's a romantic subplot Mm. if there's a found family subplot whatever it is a side thing that's not your main big bad but it's a side thing that you have to deal with like i think in 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 all the harry potters i think he has a lot of side things that are subplots but add to the main plot so it's like the philosopher's stone you know finding that and Mm -hmm. getting past the three-headed dogs and Mm -hmm. all it's like it is like a bit of subplot but it does add to the main story overall in the end it's not facing Voldemort directly Mm -hmm. but it is 
putting all these pieces together that eventually tell you this is all about him yeah. and this is all about the main thing. So it's a really good point to grow some friendships here, mm -hmm. um, to have your character learn things here, to help them just grow relationships in general, be it romantic or non-romantic, mm -hmm. to learn information that they didn't learn, to, to learn skills that they didn't learn. So if they need to fight, for example, it's a good point. And like I say, you shouldn't just be starting it here. It should already be starting, but it's a good point to really focus on it yeah. and to delve into that to help you to keep going in the story and not to lose the momentum and obviously that just naturally the action will rise when those things yeah. happen because yeah. things are getting more intense there are more things at stake and the more relationships you build we always know the story someone's gonna die so <laughs> or something terrible's gonna happen yeah. do you know what I mean something terrible's gonna happen so this is a good point to really build our relationship and love for people and things so that when it goes wrong it hurts us yeah. right and that moves us really really nicely on to sequence six so sequence six is called the lowest point Mm -hmm. and I think it's so self-explanatory yeah. it is literally the lowest point for your character it's where it's sometimes called all is lost as well yeah. so it literally is that point where the character feels like this is the lowest point and I have lost everything yeah. there is so if there's a big bad that they've got to go and fight it's like I can't do this there's no there's just no possible way I'm going to be able mm. to do this I can't manage this so what's his name Professor Quirrell that's it so Professor Quirrell I think that point would would be quite a good, I'm not saying this is definitely the point, but yeah. it's quite a good all is lost because Harry's there on his own and he's like, there's no way of beating him. You know, he takes off the turban, we see the face yeah. and it's like, little old Harry, it, it's over. It's yeah. over, he can't do it. And then he puts his hands on and the face burns and it's yeah. like, what the hell? There, there's always that like, but that moment, it's like, he's going to get the Philosopher's Stone. And to be yeah. honest, it's probably before that moment, it's when it's gonna he's say, down he's, there. Yeah, and he's lost his friends. Like, he's lost like, his he's friends. Actually, Ron's been hurt and then Hermione has to take yeah. him out. And yeah. he's on his own. Yeah. On his own, yeah. facing not but the I big bad, but yeah, yeah, our big bad. And it's like, that's it, it's over. There is no, to be honest, before you get to the hands, that's the all is lost yeah. because it's the actually there's no way I'm going to beat this guy. Yeah. And in reality, there would have been no yeah. way. There would have been no way he could beat him. It would have been over and he would have had the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. And that's scary. Because, like, we've obviously got a character who's gone through, like, traumatic experiences. Yeah. So he has, like, no self-esteem, let's yep. be honest. Absolutely. He starts to build self-esteem by being with his friends. But then his friends are gone. Yeah. And so it's like, but who am I without them? I need Absolutely, them. Absolutely, yeah. Like, oh, Absolutely. Poor little Harry. Yeah. So the all is lost moment is when you just pull the rug from under your character. You just yeah. take away everything you make them feel like, obviously we know there's going to be a turnaround, yeah. but they need to really just feel like, I can't do this, I can't achieve this, there's no way out of this, or they need to lose something or yeah. someone. And it, it should really change them as a person yeah. forever. It should yeah. take, it should almost teach them how serious this is, that um, this isn't a game, this isn't a joke, this isn't the beginning when I entered the new world and it was all fun and yeah. sparkly. This is dark, this is, this is terrible, this mm. has happened, whatever it is. If it's a romance, it's going to be the first experience maybe of heartbreak or that yeah. relationship goes wrong or they like you found out they betrayed you or something absolutely or you at least think you. they yes, betrayed exactly. you absolutely yeah. Yeah. it's got to be the thing that hurts your character the yeah. most and, and they've got to feel that there is no way this can get better mm. and that is what sequence six is all about yeah. so you just want to make it the worst thing that can happen it sounds so evil when we say yeah. like this, but <laughs> the worst thing that could ever happen and you want to take away their hope that's mm. what this point is about because it makes the last part of your book so rewarding yeah. because that comeback is so worth it if you did the all is lost moment or you know lowest point moment 
as something really dark and heartbreaking yeah. and like there's no way even the readers are thinking how the hell are we going to get out of this i don't know mm. how we're going to get out of this it's so rewarding when it's turned around yeah and if you don't get this part right sometimes that that makes the last bit a bit like mm, not really it didn't worth it. pay off yeah, yeah it didn't pay off so just think about that bit don't overthink it but just if you've built everything up before it should naturally there mm. should be naturally a dip there that just makes sense and you will know that as you go in so that really completes act two that's act two done and it's again quite simple i know i've hardest talked about it but, but <laughs> definitely the hardest part done so act three again is made up of just two sequences it's made up of sequence seven and sequence eight so sequence seven is called new tension and new twist and usually here the character learns a new twist that helps them it's either a new negative twist that makes them realize someone who they maybe thought they were trusted betrays them and it doesn't have to be that that's just an example yeah, yeah. or it's a new twist in that they learn some new information that helps them to beat the big mm -hmm. bad or it's not that they necessarily learn it but they realize they knew it all along like yes. maybe they had a necklace yeah. that their mum gave them before she died and they realized yeah. that that's the thing that has the power and they yeah. didn't know the whole time mm -hmm. and they've had it with them the entire book yeah. and not even <laughs> <Damn known. it. laughs> yeah and i think the sorry spoiler alert but in shadow hunters this is a, the, there's a really good moment where that happens and it's with clary and she has her mom has like this no not her mom i think it's her mom's friend and she mm -hmm. i think she refers to her as her aunt i can't remember i think it's dark she has like a tarot deck oh, yeah. and in it there's the, all the bad and all the good people are looking for this thing called the mortal cup and it's one of like the mortal instruments so they're looking for the cup she realizes that there's a painting of this cup on mm. on one of the tarot cards oh, okay. and she has um throughout the book accidentally sometimes had paper and like accidentally made things go in that paper Ooh. and she's then had to take it back out of the paper and mm -hmm. so she realizes that she has the same power as her mom mm -hmm. and that her mom hid the cop in that and she's the only oh. one that can take it out so it's like that new twist that's like mm -hmm. everyone's like it's over we can't do this yeah. like things are not gonna work if i don't get this and then she realizes it's been here all along like it's yeah. been right in front of and my face yeah the entire it. time and i'm the only one mm -hmm. this is the clue my mom left me i couldn't see it mm -hmm. and so when everything seems to be at the end and the big bad's like threatening if you don't do this i'm gonna kill your friends and, this mm -hmm. and stuff like that she's suddenly like i know where it is yeah and i can save everybody it's not great because she has to give over mm -hmm. the cop which she doesn't want to do yeah but in that moment that's what she needs so it's just revealing that thing and that new twist obviously creates new tension yeah, because yeah. then you've gone from that lowest point and then you're up again because yeah. you now realize that you know what I may be able to do this. I may be able to win this thing. Yeah. I might be able to, you know, achieve the thing that I've been trying to achieve or at least achieve steps towards it. So yeah. it brings the character back up from that lowest point. And then sequence eight is the most simple one. It is literally the resolution. Mm -hmm. It ties up. So any promises that you've made throughout the book so if you've shown something or revealed something or made it like you're going to reveal something later you yeah. have to tie it up in the resolution everything that needs to make sense for that book and i know sometimes there's a series and there's certain things that need to go into yeah, book two yeah. but book one should still feel complete everything mm. should be tied up we should get a resolution and ending to all of the things that happened before so any anything we said was going to happen anything that we need we're supposed to learn or find out or know mm -hmm. we need to kind of tie up as best as we can in that ending and show 
it's kind of the aftermath of everything that's happened before yeah. that and, and where the character's at. Even if that is, there's going to be a book two and the character's journey is going to continue, there needs to be a closing point at the end of the book to show that this part of the chapter is over, yeah. but then it's opening up to a next part. Mm-hmm. So that is as simple as it is. And, and that's why I like it. It's just mm-hmm. really simple. It's really easy. It stays in my head. Mm-hmm. As I say, I don't actively go out of my way to write down and plan out the sequences anymore mm. i've tried that style of that doesn't work for me personally but i do keep them in my head so yeah. that if i get to a point in my story where i'm like oh, i don't know what to do right mm. now i think where where should i be roughly and if i'm like it's the lowest point Duh. something terrible yeah. needs to happen and i'm like who's gonna die yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It dips sky-blue. laughs> so um yeah just i would use it like that and as i say this doesn't have to be the one you use. There are many, many sequences. Sorry, not sequences. There's many, many structures out yeah. there that you can use and you can dabble and you can try, but try them. If yeah. you're finding that you're trying to write a story and it's just not working and you just can't get the feel and the natural flow of how it goes, because some people really naturally just mm. can tell stories and it just flows. Other people can't and there's nothing wrong with that. There's no right or wrong way no. to that. It's just we all have a different method. But if you do find yourself in a point where you're really just kind of scratching your head and you're thinking, I really don't know what comes next or I don't know how to tell this use something like this use it as a guideline you don't need to do a really detailed outline when i am doing it sometimes i just do like a sentence per sequence just a bullet point to help me to understand roughly where i would be and then everything in between i'll figure it out because i know that i've got to get to this point by the Mm -hmm. end of this sequence so do what works for you but i hope that this has really helped as just a a rough guideline i don't know if you want to add anything yeah no I, i i agree and i think that having a structure that works for you is important even if that structure is just beginning middle end Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like what do i need to be at the beginning Mm -hmm. where do i need to be in the middle where do i need to be at the end it could be as simple as that it can be as simple as one line or some people do like twenty thousand word outlines don't they yeah Uh, like abby evans never do that (laughs) i don't think i could either however (laughs) she reckons she has clean first drafts because basically the outline is the first draft you know yeah, I mean? that makes sense. Yeah, so obviously sense. everybody's yeah. everybody's different. Yeah. Um, but what we really encourage is that you find what works for you. So yeah. this is just an invitation for you to explore this structure. Mm-hmm. Go away from here, do more research if you want to. Yeah. What I'll do is when I put this on this episode on my blog, I will actually write down the sequences as well, just Perfect. so you can see it written down as well. Yeah. If that helps, then it's a bit confusing to just hear yeah, it. It might be better to be able to Absolutely. see it as well. And to just play with it, like outline your story with the sequence. Maybe you use it, maybe you don't after yeah. you've done it. But you'll yeah. still feel more natural when you're writing because you've just outlined it, even if you never look at the outline. Yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? Because you can just I, see yeah, that it has natural progression with the story. A lot yeah. of times I write things down that I never look back at, but it just gets it out of my head. Same, yeah, and then it yeah. stays like somewhere. It's some way of like locking it into your yeah, brain, isn't it? It's yeah, weird how yeah. our minds work it like is, that. But that, sometimes that act is like, sometimes I do do that. I yeah. write down the sequences and mm. what, it would be in my story and then I never look at it but the act of doing it exactly, every yeah. so often in my head I'm like oh yeah this is supposed to happen and I think in a way yeah. it's all it's also like a confidence boost because you know that okay yeah. when I'm writing this story the story does actually have a story yes, it absolutely. does actually have emotional beats it does yeah. actually have a neat resolution and it's going somewhere, it's going somewhere yeah. logically rather than just like you know hoping for the best yeah and I know that's what pantsing sometimes is yeah. but I think that even pantsers would agree and I think you agree yeah. as well that you still do have an idea of where your story is yeah, going yeah you have even if, if it's you a have rough no idea, idea at all, yeah. it can be a bit you, difficult. You have rough ideas or you have flashes of scenes. Exactly, There's yeah. something yeah. driving you forward. Mm-hmm. And like, even though I, I pants, I will, I will generally, some stories are different, but I will generally know 
the end, the rough ending yeah, I'm working exactly, towards. Yeah. And then as I write like a little chunk, I'll then learn the next chunk. Mm. So I'll always kind of know a few scenes yeah. forward. I won't just be like every, do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like writing this line and making it up. No, that would be <laughs> torment for me. Exactly. But like yeah. I will know a few, like now I've, I've got to a certain point in my story. I know now that, I now know, sorry, the next few scenes. Yeah. And then when I finish them, I'll know the next few scenes. Because mm. as I write the scenes, they teach me what should happen yeah, next. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you so. do you do have like some form of structure even if you're pantsy. And I, I do think that if you are somebody like two things if you if you are somebody who wants to write quickly sometimes an outline yeah. will help you because Absolutely. you always know what's coming next you yeah. don't sit down and think okay yeah. where am i going yeah. it's, it's just there yeah. but also if you're somebody who's writing maybe a more complicated story then a structure might help you to be able to see Absolutely. where all the ducks are really yeah. are they in a row is are you yeah. so like it's instead of having this massive world with all these massive plots and you don't mm -hmm. know what the hell you're doing with them, you've got, if some, you've sort of got some sort of guide, exactly. Yeah. Obviously, again, it, you might not be that person, but if you are somebody yeah. like that, then maybe you would benefit from yeah. the structure. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I pants, obviously, as you know, but I would love to be a plotter. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I would. I would love to be able to do that and to have that. We're all different. Yeah. I'd love to sometimes have that because sometimes there's problems that come with pantsing, there's problems that come with plotting. Exactly. Um, but you just have to find, like Shana said, find your method that works for you. And sometimes mm -hmm. that looks like something right in the middle. It's yeah. not even... I, you know, I think I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah, same. I don't think I'm a strict pantser either. And I think there's an um, author, I think his name's Ryan Carhill. And I, I think I've already said this, but he said a really cool quote where he said, I don't think there's such a, any such thing as like pantsers plotters he said i yeah. think that it's literally a spectrum and you're oh, either yeah. more heavily on one side or more heavily on the other but yeah. we all are on the same spectrum and, and i thought that's a really cool way it to is describe true, it and as we always yeah. say as well you could be different book to book 100%. and different stages in your life yeah. one time something works absolutely. and then the next time it doesn't and, it, and yeah. that's absolutely fine yeah. and i think that my most important thing is to just try things yeah. don't write things off unless you've yeah, tried definitely them try be flexible methods. and yeah. you just you'll find what you what yeah. like what you like and absolutely. what works and just don't decide things about yourself yeah. don't get stuck sure. in it absolutely exactly. like i yeah. think shana's spot on there like the we're so creative anyway and we create yeah. stories why wouldn't we be creative with our methods exactly. to do it to, you know what i mean perfect, try new yeah. things have fun with it yeah. some things will work some things won't work some things will work for certain things some yeah. things won't and, and i think that's the fun of it is that we're not actually stuck to yeah. this structure of you have to do it like this every time exactly. three act eight secret structure could be absolutely incredible for one story mm -hmm. and then terrible for another and i mm -hmm. think that's kind of the beauty and the scary yeah, thing is. is that like you you start a new project and you're like i don't know what to do again yeah. <laughs> and but that's the fun isn't it and that we want that challenge we want to be able to work hard to tell our stories and to feel really accomplished when mm -hmm. we finish them there's nothing better than getting to the end and know you work your ass off to get there yeah, so 100%. you know just enjoy have fun guys don't feel like you have to be tied to any time of structure if this is not for you at all do not use it just yeah. use it as an information that was interesting exactly, and move on yeah, yeah. or something you can share with someone else that you think it will benefit um but please do do what's right for you and if you try this out and it doesn't work for you go and find something else that does yeah simple as that if you like this episode don't forget to subscribe and to share it with your writing friends and check back in with us next week thanks for listening guys bye bye eight act no <laughs> the why am i forgetting the professor's name is it quigley the one with the quigley no what's his name
Oh, <laughs> Professor Quigley. I'm dead. Okay, so right, cute. let me stop laughing. Let me stop laughing.